0: (laughs) All right, you have a seat. Woo! Okay, all right, all right, all right. Hey, whether that's your jam or not, you like that song or not, can we give it up one more time for all these guys up here? Yeah! Why do we do that? Because that was freaking awesome, I'm just saying. That That was freaking awesome. Worship was freaking awesome, and the best news is this, the best is still yet to come. So don't leave. Good stuff left to come. You know, I, I would imagine there's some questions like, "Why, why do we do that song?" You know, I was like, "Oh, so just not feeling real easy about that." I mean, you thought you were coming to church today, and that song didn't feel like church, and and you're not even sure it's going to count as church when Grandma asks you, "Did you go to church this weekend?" Now, so hey, 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 yes, yes, you did. You you really did. We do we do songs like that from time to time around here for a reason. Actually, a few reasons. One of the reasons is that's actually the only song that some people in this room today know. Of all the songs we've done today. See, as church people, we have this idea that all people listen to church music. (laughs) They don't, right? They don't have K-Love on their radio. So that song right there is like, oh, they like ACDC in this place. I think I like this place. Okay, that's that's the only song some people know. The, the The second reason is this. That song speaks to, these kind of songs speak to our culture and the world that we find ourselves living in today. They really, really do. Third reason is this. I love classic rock. I just love classic rock. I mean, it's, it's my genre. It's my jam. I listen to it when I listen to the radio in my car, which is not a lot because it's kind of my thinking time. But, but when I listen, that's what I'm listening to. I, I, I just love classic rock. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting for 12 years, 12 years to do an ACDC song in church. I've been waiting for 12 years for this moment. All right? It's awesome. You've got to be careful because the lyrics... <laughs> The lyrics can get tricky, right? So Hell's Bells, nope. Highway to Hell, nope, not going to do that one. Uh, cover You in Oil, don't think so. And so so finally, finally we find a song, right, that not only can we sing the lyrics, but with lyrics that we need to really pay some attention to. Did you catch them? Listen, tailored suits, chauffeured cars, fine hotels, big cigars, a French maid, foreign chef, a big house with a king-size bed. Come on, come on, love me for the money. Come on, come on. Listen to the money talk. Now, listen. Whether that's your jam or not, whether you like that song or approve of that song or not, we'd all have to concede that in some ways our money does talk. Our money does talk to us. What does it say to us? The answer in life is more of me. All you need is more of me. The real meaning of life is more of me. That I can lead you to the life you want, to the life you're looking for. Now, Jesus, he actually has something different to say about that. Jesus has something far different. To say about that, according to Jesus, it goes something like this: While money is not the meaning to life, it does have the potential to make every each and every one of our lives, as we sit here today, much more meaningful. And that's what we're chasing after hard together in this series. We're in the second week of a series called Truth or Dare. And I don't know what you think of when you think of that. Hear those words? Most of us think about the game that we played as a kid. Some of you are still playing it. Talk to God about that. Okay, so, so truth or dare, right? That's it. But actually what we're building this series on is something that Jesus said in, Matthew, in, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, when he said this, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So according to Jesus, if we hold on to what he says is true, not just part of it, not just some of it, not just the parts we like. Right? Not the parts we're comfortable with, not the parts that we know we can take and adapt and just pull right into our life as we've already decided we're going to live it. If we hold on to all His truth, we're going to find a life not only of forgiveness, but of freedom too. That's important, right? Every one of our hearts wants what? Wants to be free. Our hearts want to be alive and free. It's what we come in here looking for every single week. And so we're imagining in this series that we're playing a game of truth or dare with Jesus. But don't get churchy on me here. It's okay play along. Okay. And Jesus chooses truth. Okay. Jesus, we need some truth. And the question that's on the table today is the same as last week. Two questions. Jesus, how do we find the life we're looking for? And what is it, Jesus, that's getting in the way of us being able to do that? Now, if you think about it, there's all kinds of truth that Jesus could give us here to answer our questions. He has a whole lot to say about how we find this amazing, unbelievable life to the fullest thing that he came to bring us, right? And everything Jesus says is helpful. Write that down, okay? Everything Jesus says, every single bit is helpful. But I think what is most helpful, what is most helpful are the times when Jesus shines light on or points to the things that we are tending to overlook, ignore, flip by, or just flat out miss. And what that means to us is this, the things that we're talking about in this series, all the stuff that we're stirring up and talking about in this series, they're not necessarily the things that we want to hear, but they are definitely the things that you and I most need to hear. And that's why this is our focus in this series. That's why we're doing this series. So let's jump back into this. Let's talk some more about that. We're going to be in, in Luke chapter 12 today. So if you brought a Bible, this is where we get them out. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, we have them on the back tables. You can grab them now, get one on your way out, take it home with you. Hit our app, hit version on your phone. Or if you want to ignore all of that, just read with me on the screens. Everything I read is going to be on the screens to my right and my left. So Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. Here we go. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? All right, let's stop right there for just a second. So a little bit of the backstory. We've got to read Scripture in context. So a little bit of the backstory. What happens right before this moment as we're picking up this story? Well, Jesus tells another story about a man who has a ton of money and a ton of stuff. And he just keeps getting more and more and more. And so he makes a decision. What am I going to do? He says, oh, I'm going to build barns, bigger barns. I'm going to build more barns so I can keep it all for myself. See, his problem in the story right before this moment is he's got too much. And so you and I today, we could spend some time studying that together and talking about that. And that might apply to a few of us. But let's be real. What Jesus is walking to us into here in verse 22 What he's walking us into, these first few verses that we've read, it applies to almost all of us, if not all of us. Doesn't it? See, our problem is not that we've got too much. Our problem is there's just not enough. I don't know about you, but what Jesus says here really challenges me. It's not my default position. It is not the first place I go. It's not. In fact, I do exactly what Jesus tells me not to do. What do I do? I get worried. I Worry, how about you? How about you? Do you think we need to talk about this? Yes, we do. So here we go. Okay, Jesus truth or dare truth Okay, how do we find the life? We're looking for and and what's getting in the way of us doing that? Jesus says, okay, brace yourself Here we go. Here's the truth. All God has done all God has done often gets lost in what he's not currently doing All that God has done in my life often gets lost Don't think about it at all in the context of what he's not currently doing in my life. So just hang on to that for a second. Before we talk about that, I want to ask you a question. Has worry ever played a role in the financial decisions that you've made in your life? (laughs) Yes, heard somebody laugh, right? (laughs) Of course it has, right? Me too, quite a bit. I mean, let's be honest with each other. This worry thing, this anxiety thing, it's a big, big problem for us. It's a growing problem for us. I don't know if you've done it or not, But if you haven't, you need to get on our Facebook page as a church. And first thing, I got a few things about that. First thing you need to do is like it, for goodness sakes. Like our page, okay? And then you need to invite your friends to like it, right? And then you need to write a positive review on our church. Okay, after you do those three things, all right, I want you to scroll down about 10 days because our executive pastor Pete wrote a great blog post on anxiety. He's been dealing with these issues in his life. And it's really, really helpful stuff. And you need to read that, right? This anxiety thing, this worry thing, it's a growing problem in the world. It's like more and more and more of it rising up every single day. It's a growing epidemic, and that's why we're doing the next series that we're going to do in this place. Two weeks from day- today, we're starting a new series. It's called Inside Out. Any of you seen the movie? Yeah, it's called Inside Out. Now, we're not going to do the movie, okay? We may use some scenes, but we're not going to do the whole movie, but we are. We're going to pull back the curtain in our lives, not the me I'm presenting to you and the outside world. We're going to pull back the curtain in our lives. And we're going to deal with some hard things that are going on beneath the scenes in every one of our lives. Things like worry and anxiety. Things like fear and anger and sadness and hurt. And then we're going to have a professional come in here and talk about this big, ugly thing called depression. We've got to deal with this stuff right? It's killing us. It really is. So in a few weeks, we're going to deal with worry and anxiety in a much broader, much deeper sense. But for today, I just want us to stay in the lane that Jesus has us in here. How does our worry influence how we're handling our money? How do these two things, let's just be honest, right? It's almost impossible to disconnect the two. I mean, last week I talked about a period of time in my family's life where we were in a financial tailspin The financial tailspin we were in for a decade, probably more like 12 years, as a result of me crashing and burning in ministry 15 years ago. So 12 years ago, we moved to Colorado to be a part of this. And uh, our house in North Carolina, we put it on the market. We assumed it would sell. Beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood, priced right. Everything was there. It just wouldn't sell. Get this. It wouldn't sell, and it wouldn't rent. Made no sense. Now, Now, the market back then was wonky. There's no doubt about it. But houses all around us were selling. This thing was, it just wouldn't sell. So finally, we, after 18 months of paying payments in North Carolina, rent here, we ran out of cash. So we went through foreclosure. Let me just say this. You have been through foreclosure, it's horrible. It's devastating. And, And listen, you don't recover quickly from that, do you? No, it's a seven plus year journey to recover from that. It's brutal. So between that and the financial position that the church was in, which was horrible, we were really strapped. I move here with four daughters. Imagine that. Yay, two in high school, two younger girls, right? So, so let me just say it this way. The math didn't work. There wasn't enough money to, to, to pay the bills. And because of my daughters and all they'd been through, they'd suffered enough because of my sin, because of my crash and burn. I couldn't imagine them suffering anymore. So I'm worried about them. I'm worried about their future. I'm worried about taking care of them. I'm worried about taking care of us as a family. So you know what I did? I'm a pastor. I prayed. I prayed. You know what else happened? But when the master didn't change our circumstances, you know what I did? I turned to the next best thing master card. Right? He has a card. You ought to use it. I'm just teasing. Don't, right? So what did we start to do? We started to put everything on credit cards. Everything. We put car insurance on credit cards, grocery, gasoline, clothes, you name it. We used to pay this use this credit card to pay that one. And then you ever done that? Played that shell game for a while? We did that. And we dug ourselves in this incredible hole that it took us years to dig ourselves out of. I mean, years. It was painful. You see, God, here's some more truth. God says this. He says, the borrower is a slave to the lender. You ever been there? Yeah, me too. I've lived that slave life many times in my life. What led me into that slavery? Worry worry did this past week, I was sitting in my chair one morning this week, my coffee getting centered before I got my day going. It's early, and all of a sudden, this wave of worry and anxiety came over me. I could physically feel it. You ever had that happen? I mean your body starts to like react to it. I was like, what is going on? You know what the, what I was thinking that triggered that you noise? Know I was thinking about? student loans. I was thinking about parent plus loans now. Stace and I have used those loans to get our first two daughters through college. They both had their master's degrees too, and they, they paid for that. But to get them through, to get them through college. And, and my third daughter is a junior in college, and my youngest just started. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? It's like, it's like, I'll be paying for this for the rest of my life. How am I ever going to do this? You see that? This worry and money thing, it is really hard, isn't it? It's really hard to disconnect these two things. So what's the point? And the point is this, Jesus says, don't worry. He says, don't worry. Because just like God has those birds flying around up there, he's got you too. But see, see, here's our problem though. We have a quicker solution to point our money problems to, right? To point our worry problems to. It's this thing called debt. We can, we, just, we can just, it's a quicker solution than God. I can just point it to to, to, to debt. And, and it's, isn't it true? Debt in the short term has a way of medicating and turning down the noise on the worry in our lives. Yes, it does. It has for me many times over. But then time passes and I'm looking at it. I'm going, oh my gosh, what in the world did I do? Have you ever been there? Dave Ramsey, he's a financial genius. He says this. He says, we used to have layaway. Anybody remember that? Old people are like, yeah, I did that, right? <laughs> yeah, layaway. Here's the principle. If you don't know what I'm talking about. So, you buy something, you don't get it. You buy it, but you make a payment. And you keep making payments. When you pay it off, you get it. So, Dave Ramsey says, We used to have lay away. Now we have lay awake. It's true, isn't it? Now I just flip out a card and I buy. I don't have the money. I just buy it. And then later I lay awake wondering why I can't make these 19%, 20% interest payments that I got to make on that. We sing a song around here called Do It Again. Some of you, I love that song. We're not doing it today, but, but it's a great song. It's like, God, I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains, God, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I want to tell you something, that is true. That's true in my life. It's true of us as a church, and it's true of the stories of many people sitting around you in this room today, too. God's done many, many miraculous things in the past. He's going to do it again. That is so true, and yet, I want to tell you this, that's not my default position that is not where my mind immediately goes when financial stress and worry hits my life or hits us as a church. How about you? I mean, what, 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 what happens to you? See, what God has done time and time and time again, over and over again in my life, in my story, in the story of this church, often gets lost in what? In the moment, in what he's not currently doing. This is what we're up against, our worry. This thing called worry not only keeps God from being our top financial priority, you know what else it does? It leads us to decisions that ultimately leave us with less, not more, freedom. I think Jesus is trying to help us see that. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep reading. He's got more to say. He says, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor and spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. All right, so we were talking about ravens, and I love ravens, especially the Baltimore kind. I do. Lamar Jackson, University of Louisville, Heisman Trophy, NFL MVP. I could go on. I'm a mater. I won't. I love ravens. All right, so we were talking about ravens, but now we've shifted gears and we're talking about wildflowers. So my question is, what do wildflowers and ravens have in common? Answer, they are both dependent on God. Every day they're dependent on God. Okay, so what do we have that they don't have? Ready? They're totally dependent on God. And they don't have a choice we do we do you see the difference they're totally dependent on God and when you look at our lives it looks like to me especially when it comes to our money we're living our lives trying not to be and Jesus says hey yeah you know, we said truth or dare Jesus says truth he said he's already told us this worry thing it's gonna have an impact on how you handle your money he's not finished he's just getting started he says here's some more truth you ready Here's some more truth for you as you think about this. It's not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. Now, here's what I believe to be true of all of us in this room this morning. You're all good people. We're all good people with good hearts. And it's not about want to. We want to be good people. We want to be caring people, kind people, compassionate people. We want to be people that are generous with our money. We do. We want to handle our money. As God wants us to, what's the problem? We look at what we have and we say, I just can't. See, it's not about want to, it's about can't. We look at what we have and we're like, ooh, it makes no financial sense, I can't. And Jesus says, hey, hey, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out, hey, see those birds over there? See those flowers out, out over there? If God takes care of them, don't you think he's gonna take care of you? Oh, you of little money? Nope. Oh, you have little portfolio? No, resources, no, stuff, no, oh, you of little faith. It is not. I'm telling you, it's not a financial issue, it's a faith issue that Jesus is pointing us to here. Now, that truth right there, it's not a financial issue, it's a faith issue. We struggled with that big time when I got here to DCC 12 years ago. We did. We made it a financial issue, not a faith issue. So me too, us too, we've done this. You know, we, we, we didn't give a dollar, not a single dollar, to anything that was happening outside the walls of this place. You know what our rationale was for doing that? We can't afford to. You ever been there? Me too. So we said, you know what? We can't afford to do that. It just, it just doesn't work. It's, it doesn't fit. And if you brought an accountant in or a CPA in or an auditor in, they would have looked at our books and they say, yep, doesn't make any financial sense. Financially, you can't do that. So we didn't. And long story short, I'm not proud of it, but it's true. That continued for about two and a half years, three years under my leadership here too. But then we finally came to our senses. And we said, we can't do this anymore. We can't expect you to live this stuff out if we're not willing to live it out and go first as a church. And so we changed things up. And you know us here, right? We don't make a big deal out of money. We don't pass a plate, put a basket in front of you, keep singing the same song over and over again until you drop some money in it. We don't do that crazy stuff around here. What, we hang boxes on the wall? We're low-key about the money thing, but 12% of every dollar that comes into this place goes out the doors first before a single person or a single bill gets paid. Now, somebody clap for that. That's good, whoever's over there doing that. That's good, right? 12% of every dollar. And when you add in everything else that you do, okay, backpacks, over 1,000 last year, like 1,500 backpacks, loaded with school supplies for kids. Turkeys at, at Thanksgiving. We adopted like 500 people for Christmas and and got them all multiple gifts this past year. You add, that's not counted in the 12%. You add all that in, it comes to 15, 16, 17% of our budget, about $300,000 of generosity every single year. It's amazing. You know what you did this week? I'm gonna tell you what you did this week. You gave money to another church in town that's down in the Southeast part of our city. Why? Because they're doing incredible things in the Southeast part of our city. Why is that important? Because the mayor said, we need to help the Southeast part of our city. And this church is positioned there. They're doing incredible things. Housing, jobs, job training, all this good stuff. And they said, they're doing it great. Let's come alongside them. Let's help them. You gave them money to help them do that this past week. You know what else you did? You gave money to an orphanage in Africa. We helped them several years ago dig a well. You know why? Because the ladies of the village were walking five to six miles each way each day just to get clean water. So we help with that. Now we've helped them expand their orphanage. Why? Because they're rescuing babies off the streets of Africa that are just left and abandoned on the streets in Africa, and they want to rescue more. There is so much rescue happening outside the walls of this place because of you. It's amazing stuff. I'm just telling you. This past week, I was at a Because I Love You board meeting, and uh, I was talking to a lady that goes to another church. And she said to me, she said, Greg, you know what DCC is most known for? And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I got a list, right? I've had this conversation many, many times before. I'm going, okay, let's go. Rock and roll music, uh, medical marijuana, uh, weird preacher, uh, not teaching the Bible, beer drinking. I mean, which one you want to choose, right? I mean, I, I got a list of all the things that, that we've been known for uh, in the city. And she, you know what she said? She said, you guys are so generous. It almost made me cry. I wanted to hug her right there on the spot. You guys are so Generous, see, that's what it's all about. Can I just tell you something? We're probably never going to be the richest church in town, right? There's a big gap. We're probably never going to be the richest church in town, but here's the good news it doesn't matter. You know why? Because just like the truth we talked about last week, it doesn't matter how much we have, all that matters is what we're doing with what we have. And see, that's true of us as a church. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's true of us. That's true of us as a church, but it's true in your life too. It's not a financial issue, it's a faith issue. So Jesus says, hey, hey, listen, seek first God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom, and you will get rich quick. No, he doesn't, all right? Wish he did, he doesn't say that. What's he say? He says, you do that, God will take care of you. See, that's my story. That's our story as a church, time and time again. Do it again. Yeah, he's done it again. And that's the story of people, lots of people that are sitting around you in this room today, too. Last week, we talked about this truth. We said it's all about making giving and generosity our highest priority of all. I want to add one thing to that today, even when it makes no financial sense at all. Just sit in that for a second. I know it's tough. That we're going to make giving and generosity my highest priority of all, even when it makes no financial sit, sense at all. See, here, here, listen, here's what I want to tell you. If you're waiting for it to make financial sense, I spend a lot of time doing that. You'll probably never do it. Jesus is trying to help us see it's not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. I just want to challenge you. Hey, one step of faith today. Start to flip your list. What are you talking about? We talked about last week. Our typical list is we live, we save, we give. How about we flip it? We give, we save we live if you start to try to flip your list it's going to require some faith but listen we have to start seeing our faith not as something we have a noun we have to start seeing it in the way that Jesus is framing it for us here it's actually also something that we do so let's let's finish this up what's Jesus say verse 32 he says do not be afraid little flock For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give it to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus challenges us to put his kingdom first. There it is again. Sell your stuff. Give it to the poor. Make giving and generosity a priority, the top priority in your life. Make it a way of life for you. And he's already addressed for us what? The worry issues and the faith issues that are going to get in the way of doing that. And now he says this, do not be afraid. In other words, do not allow fear to keep you from being generous either. So don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You know what I love about Jesus here? He doesn't just tell us what he wants us to do. He loves us each so much that he tells us the why behind the what. He wants to see. He wants us to see and understand the why behind the what. So why, Jesus? Why should we consider what it is you're saying here? He says this. He says this listen, listen, listen. because your heart's following your money. Your heart is following your money, and there is no way to disconnect the two. So let's land the plane here together today. One last big, giant truth that I'm hoping is the truth that you walk out these doors with today. Jesus says, you want some more truth? Here it is. One last truth. God isn't after my money. He's after my whole heart. When you walk out of here in just a bit, just a few minutes... I'm hoping that's what you carry with you. We're talking about money. But God isn't after my money. God doesn't need my money. He's after my whole heart. What he wants as I walk out these doors, more than anything else, is what? A close, daily, intimate, personal, conversational relationship with me. And if you think about it, every meaningful relationship in this life requires trust. Take trust out of your marriage. What do you have left? Nothing. Where do we struggle to trust God the most? What is the one thing we have we struggle to trust God with the most? Our money. He's saying, yep, and that's getting in the way of, of this relationship that I'm trying to have with you. Money is not the meaning of life, but Jesus is showing us here. What he's showing us is it does definitely have the potential to make every single one of our lives here today much more meaningful. Not meaningful as we save it. saving's a great thing. Not meaningful as we spend it. Meaningful as we learn, to give it away. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. If you go to a funeral and money is mentioned at all, if the money subject comes up at all, it's not going to be how much they have. What are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about how much they gave away. So what's it look like? What's it look like for you and me to take one small step of faith into This today to begin to flip our list. Don't worry about the amount Don't even think about the amount to begin to flip our list and in making giving and generosity a priority I just want you to try it and watch what God does with that in your life. Now. Here's the deal Even if you don't okay Even if when, when I said we're talking about money today, you got on your phone and you haven't listened to a word I've said since It's okay. All right Even if you're going to walk out these doors and you forget or just like, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I didn't like it. Boom. It's okay. No sweat, right? Your salvation is not at stake here, right? It's not like, well, he was going to heaven, but now he's going to hell because he didn't listen to Greg. No, right? That's stupid, right? God's unconditional love for you, his amazing grace, his relentless pursuit of your heart hasn't changed one single bit, regardless of how you respond to what it is you're hearing today. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't, but let's make sure before we leave. So let's make sure that we don't miss God in all this financial talk, all this money talk. We don't miss where God is in all this. This past week, I was thinking about that. And you know, I was, a, I was a trial attorney for 10 years before I became a pastor. And yes, you can be a Christian and an attorney. It's hard, okay? But I've heard all the jokes. You can tell me in the lobby. All right, so, so I was a trial attorney. My first three years as an attorney, I was a state prosecutor. So I was a felony prosecutor in the state of Kentucky, and uh, which meant I, I got to sit on some pretty important cases. I sat second chair on some death penalty stuff, which is brutal. It's, it's, it's deep stuff, right? So I've seen, bottom line, I've seen a lot of things in the courtroom. I've seen a lot of stuff, almost as good as what you see on TV, which never happens. So, um, but I've seen a lot of stuff. And so I was thinking about it this past week, and I could tell you stories about what I've seen, and I think you'd be interested in that. But what I think has been our best interest today is for me to talk about something I've never seen. I've never seen a defendant found guilty and sentenced by the judge to death only to have someone else walk into the courtroom, walk up to the bench, say, Your Honor, I will serve that sentence for him. I've never seen that happen. I've never met or seen a judge that I think would allow that to happen, honestly. That has never, ever, 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 ever happened. Actually, it has happened. A few thousand years ago, and check this part out that someone who stepped up and in happened to be the judge's own innocent son. and just sit in that for a second. Why do we do communion every week in this place? To get back to that. To get back to that. He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. He was sent to stand in and receive it for us. See, I don't know about you. But getting back to that helps me when worry and faith issues and fear issues hit my life. I don't know about you, but that loving father is someone that I can trust, not just with some of my life, not just with part of my life, not even with most of my life, with every single bit of my life. That undeserved favor is called grace, and we don't deserve it. It is a gift to every single one of us as we sit here today. It's amazing grace, and that provides so much hope for all of us, regardless of what we're struggling with, financial or otherwise, regardless of what we carried in here, regardless of what we're going through in our lives today. We're all in this together. We've all made mistakes. We have parts of our lives which could delete, erase, change, and do over. Here's the bottom line. Common denominator, we're all absolutely hopeless without the grace of God. That's you and it's me too. So whatever you carried in here with you today, your burden, your struggle, your challenge, whatever you're going through, here's what I want you to hear. I'm hoping that you'll get back to this, all right? God is not, God is not disappointed with you. He's not discouraged with you. He's not fed up with you, and he's not done with you. He actually, he could not love you more. I'm hoping in these last few minutes, before we walk out these doors together, that you're gonna spend a few minutes, keep coming back to this one simple truth that despite it all, all you've done, all that's been done to you, God is, always has been, and will always be madly in love with you. He's madly in love with you. And listen, he loves you so much that he wants you to understand and experience everything he sent his son to bring you and he's gonna identify and help you see everything that's getting in the way of that. Why? Because God wants us to know the truth. Why? Because it is this truth. It's this truth that sets our captive hearts free. Let me pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, we set these last few minutes aside for you to come. There are voices of disqualification in every one of our heads. There's a voice that wants to say to every one of us right here, right now, in this moment, that, see, there's just another way that you're blowing it. We silence that voice, Jesus we silence all those voices that are coming that are not yours. Jesus, in your name, your authority, we bring the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus against that. We say, Jesus, would you speak? Would you open our eyes to see what is getting in the way? What's standing between us? Whatever it is, and the incredible, amazing life to the fullest that you have for us, Jesus. So we commit this last bit of time to you. Jesus, overwhelm us with your love. Overwhelm us that despair with the fact that despite it all, you're madly in love with us. Help every heart in this room. I pray that we'll all walk out these doors with more hope than we walked in here with today. In your name, Jesus, come